Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. Today's guest is Mike Lee. Mike is the president of OPEX Solutions, a performance improvement company that helps manufacturers remove the barriers that prevent them from achieving their goals by developing leaders and improving processes. Prior to starting his company, Mike had a 13-year manufacturing career where he held a variety of operational supply chain leadership roles. And prior to that, which I'd love to kick today off with, uh, he served in the U.S. Navy as a surface warfare officer. So welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, Patrick. Absolutely. Well, welcome back, I should say, because you were with us back in season one, episode 42. We talked about Kaizen events, which is actually a super powerful episode for anyone that hasn't heard it. You should go back and check out episode 42. Uh, but before we kind of dive in today, Mike, tell us a little bit about your background in the Navy. Would love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I I spent 10 years active duty right out of college. Um, I was a a surface officer, but specialized in nuclear propulsion. So the Navy trained me on running nuclear reactors and nuclear power plants, which uh, the Navy now powers their submarines and aircraft carriers. Back then I was on a cruiser, um, but I also spent some time on a frigate. And uh, yeah, it was a great time, 10 years. I, after that, I spent 10 more years in the reserves, including uh, a brief stint back on active duty after 9-11 for Homeland Security. Uh, but the Navy is a, uh, what's interesting about my Navy background is that I really saw firsthand um, a good leader versus a not so good leader and how a strong leader could really impact an organization. Um, you may have heard the book, Turn the Ship Around. Oh yeah. Uh, I literally had a captain that could have almost written the same book. Like he, I was on a ship that literally turned around within weeks. It was that big of an impact. Wow. Um, but what I really got out of the Navy was their, the way they, they standardize and they do preventive maintenance and, um, it's really, uh, how they communicate, um, the way they, you know, standard work, the Navy, if you really understand standard work in the military, you, you'd find a lot of similarities. Mm. We could probably, we could make a whole show out of this one because I would love to hear more about this because obviously you and I know, you know, me being a, a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, you being a Navy veteran, we know the importance of standardization, standard work uh, in the military because, uh, well, in any place, standard work helps us to remove some of the chaos, helps us to stabilize things. And obviously, you can't win a war. You can't uh, be, you know, uh, as good as as the Marine Corps or the Navy is without having stability, right? And being able to improve on top of that. So uh, maybe tell us a little bit, maybe give us an example. Uh, um, maybe it's preventive maintenance, maybe uh, standard operating procedures, whatever it may be. Do you remember any kind of good stories from the Navy or things that you saw that you said, you know, this is amazing. This is some probably before you knew anything about lean, right? You didn't well, call that's correct. I, I didn't really know anything. It's more after the fact that I, I realized, boy, the Navy did that really well. Um, one of my colleagues um, in the leadership development industry, I was on a call with her recently, and she started using the phonetic alphabet. She started wow. going like Charlie, Osco, Tango, and I said, whoa. I'm like, you know, the phonetic alphabet, you weren't in the military. And, and 
it's a long story, but basically that's an example of I knew you almost know immediately who was in the military because they start spouting off the phonetic alphabet. And that's just a small example of where a standard procedure, how you communicate to avoid miscommunicating is extremely common. Right. Um, so that, you know, just little things like that. And, you know, the preventive maintenance work, you know, when you take a look at TPM and, and equipment reliability, you realize there are some industries that have a high level of it. If, you know, like the airline industry and, and the military is one of those. And you take a look at how they did preventive maintenance and it's so much more in depth and complete than almost any company I've ever come across. Um, and so it's things like that that you realize, wow, they really did some things well, and they did some things that closely align with Toyota production system. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, and you mentioned also when you were in the military that you worked for some some really good leaders and maybe some leaders that you know maybe needed a, a little bit of improvement. Uh, any any good stories around leadership development that came out of the Navy? Maybe something that you've been able to take from there and apply to what you do now. Yeah, I one of my captains, um, and I'll give him credit here. His name is Captain Doug Kyler. He was he was a captain on a frigate that I was on a, in the, on the west coast on um, USS Wadsworth back in the late '90s. He came on board a ship, and we were we were kind of average. But he came on board the ship, and he said, and this goes along the lines of the principle of respect for people, mm -hmm. which I'm a firm believer in. You know, coming out of Toyota production system, and he said. He said, guys, I have two rules, that's it. One, do your job, essentially do your standard work, right? Mm -hmm. Do your job and two, take care of the person next to you. And I said, as long, if they're out in town, if they're having trouble, if they're having trouble in their role, take care of the person next to you. If you do those two things, we're gonna have a great ship. Mm -hmm. I tell you, Patrick, that the ship literally turned around. Like we became the best ship in the squadron, Mm -hmm. um, he got rid of all these curfews. He got rid of all these rules mm -hmm. and he just simply trusted everybody to do their job, do it well and take care of each other. And that was it. Mm -hmm. It makes um, such a difference when you, when you, when you put people into a position where they, where they feel respected, where they feel trusted, where, you know, they, they know that you appreciate what they do, right? People are smart. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, even in my business, I have a small team. I, I don't have a vacation policy. I don't have a, 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 you know, it's basically unlimited time off. Just take time when you need to and how much you need to. And and but I trust you to get the job done. And and it's worked out fine. I've never had a problem. You know, it, yeah. it's. I mean, clearly, sometimes you know, there's always exceptions, right? No, nothing's perfect, but. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer and you, you respect people, you take care of them and they're going to do the same for you and for your organization. So true. So true. So uh, let's transition uh, from the Navy to your maybe your manufacturing career and forward. Uh, how how would you describe your lean journey so far? So my lean journey really began as a manufacturing manager for GE. Um, I was reporting to a new job at a new factory day one. I had not really been exposed to lean before I'd heard of it, but I'd never been exposed to it. And the guy whose, whose job I was turning over with, he met me at the front door and he said, 
Glad you're here. Let's put down your bag. We're kicking off a Kaizen event right now. And literally, I walked in the door to the kickoff of a Kaizen event. That, that wow. was, <laughs> and um, I, less than an hour of arriving. So I spent my very first week at this factory in the middle of a Kaizen event mm -hmm. with a with a sensei from Shingojitsu from Japan. And, you know, that was my first introduction to lean. Um, as a production manager, then we, you know, I learned a little bit, picked up a little bit. But then it was a couple years later, I had the opportunity to transition to a full-time lean role um, for GE and helping other sites. And so that that led to five years of being a lean advisor um, internally to GE and managing Kaizen events, which is why we did a podcast about that earlier. I, I've done so many of these as either as a sensei, but most of them learning from a sensei from Shingojitsu. Sure. Um, and that's and so that's where I really learned lean. I became a huge proponent of Toyota production system. And and then I carried that forward to my own business. I started my own business 10 years ago, uh, primarily uh, supporting organizations in lean, uh, as well as leadership development. Because one thing I learned during those years was that uh, the the leadership and the culture in an organization has an overwhelming impact on your success and continuous improvement, uh, more so than almost anything I could teach or train. And so that had to be a core part of what I offered organizations um, if they really wanted to continuously get better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious to hear, and, and again, uh, we may have talked about this on the last podcast, but I, I'd love to hear about that first week at GE. Maybe, uh, I don't know if you can bring yourself back to that week and, and think about the feelings or emotions or the experience that you had that week just being engulfed in this Kaizen event. I mean, was it was it challenging? Was it exciting? Uh, was it difficult? Do you remember what that looked like for you? To be perfectly honest, what I remember most was I'm reporting to what was a big job for me and a promotion. And I was stuck in this Kaizen event for a week and I was losing time learning about everything I had to learn in my new job. It's kind of like, it's so I actually didn't even have the right frame of mind, to be honest. All I remember is I need to meet my new supervisors. I need to, you know, and um, they did not give me a ton of responsibility that first event because they knew I was just showing up. So I was mostly an observer and a team member. Um, but I mean, I, I, I remember enjoying it. I remember being intrigued by it. But more than anything, Patrick, I literally wanted to get going on my new job and uh and i didn't i probably wasn't able to absorb or enjoy as much of it as i could have or as i did in later events sure sure i can understand that for sure and and obviously i know uh what things look like for you going forward and and you know just based on uh what we talked about back in episode 42 but i mean your attitude from then until now and just over the years uh, you know i'm sure you've learned so much through reflection through teaching through facilitation i mean how has your attitude maybe maybe even shifted over the years uh toward the application of lean you know in different ways different industries you know from a leadership perspective, whatever it may be. I, yeah, it has changed quite a bit actually. Um, 
you know, during those years, I was a, a lean leader. Um, it, it, one of the things I was able to experience is the different ways organizations were, were working toward applying lean, improving, you know, working on their lean journey, right? Where to start, how to start, what to do first, so forth and so on. A lot of trial and error. Um, and, and even after then my, my GE career and starting my business, um, I was promoting myself as a, you know, as a lean consultant, lean advisor, um, helping organizations on their lean journey. Sure. That would, okay. Since then though, I have learned that I, I really don't even, I don't even use the label lean. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even uh, present or market myself or my business now as a lean training business or a lean uh, support or, you know, I, it's, it's now been focusing on what um, performance improvement overall for manufacturers. And because what I've learned, Patrick, is that most decision makers, most senior leaders to be to be really blunt, don't care about lean. They they really don't. I mean, they may they may be a lean proponent and they love lean and they love the principles, but it isn't because it's lean itself. It's they recognize that it will help the organization. What they really want is the organization to get better. That's what they really want. Right. Lean and the principles of lean help you get there, but that's not really a starting point. So over the years, as you're probably aware, you'll get a lot of questions about where do we start? How do we start? What should we do first? And so mm -hmm. forth. And in the past, it might have been, well, let's let's find an area that's more receptive to change. Let's identify one cell or product line that we could make a model line. Let's, you know, those were the type of discussions I would have. Now it's 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 changed. It's it's more of, well where what are you trying to do as an organization what what goal are you trying to hit this year what are your pain points you know what what right now is the one thing you would like to change in your operations to get better what what obstacles are keeping you from from you know your goals for this year it's completely starting with the issue the problem the challenge and oh by the way you know this principle could help you here or this this idea could help you here. It's not about starting a lean journey. It's more about starting a continuous improvement and problem solving journey. And oh, by the way, we know a lot about the Toyota production system. And, and this is what how we would propose you do that. Um, yeah. So it's it's not even about a um, the application of lean at the front end. It's more of it's one of those things that's just um supporting what we do underneath yeah if that makes sense i don't it, yeah. it does absolutely i mean meeting you want to meet your client or meet your customer where they are as well and i think that you know i mean even for me i i've worked with with companies that uh they don't want to use any of the terms that came out of the toyota production system or any you know um specific names of tools or things and you know so sometimes as a, a good trainer a good facilitator um, you have to know your client well enough or know your customer well enough to know how to adjust um, but also i mean you and i both know that the term lean itself 
uh, didn't even come out until the, you know the 90s uh, in the book the 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 machine that changed the world. Uh, to you go to Toyota that you know they didn't call it lean. That wasn't a term back then. So. You know, I mean, I, th- I think uh, I'm in agreement with you there and I, I might upset some people here, but uh, it is what it is. Right. I mean, call it whatever you want. Uh, at the end of the day, to your point, you're you're improving the performance of an organization uh, by removing waste, by reducing variation, by, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm with you there, Mike. I mean, call it what you want at the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> and, and actually, Patrick, I, I almost so I, I almost what you can call it whatever you want but i've almost i'm really to a point where there is no it mm. in other words it I, it's not a separate thing it's not a separate program it's it's not even a, a separate initiative it it's it, it there is no it it <laughs> it's kind of like organization a wants to get better for instance, let me give you a quick example. A, a company will often say, Mike, do you do lean training? We're looking for lean training. And I'll say, sure. But let's let me ask, let's back up a second. Why do you want to do lean training? Mm-hmm. Like what what is it that you feel lean training is going to do for you? Because I'm not a lean trainer. That's not what I do. Yes, I, I do lean training as a service. But what I do is I want to help you achieve something like what is it you're trying to do and why do you think lean training is going to help you and if i can't connect those dots then i'm going to back up and say are you sure you need lean training in other words it's not a separate thing it's not an it really it's more of of this this these principles that apply as you're improving an organization and it's it's not really separate and so i guess that's how my views changed if you know uh, regarding lean or whatever we call it, right? Absolutely, I'm with you 100 percent for sure. Uh, the the principles are are key, uh, but yeah, the, the the way that I would say it is, it it's, should be the way that you do business. And and uh, again, it also depends on what problem you're trying to solve, right? Which is why you would ask them why why do you think you need lean training? I mean, what <laughs> what is behind that is because you know some leader went to a, a conference and. Uh, met met someone who said they should do lean training, you know, or is there really something specific that you're trying to solve or or um, a goal that you have as an organization? So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so you talked about the approach, uh, you know, is is has maybe changed. What what would you say, you know, for those that are listening in that are wondering, you know, what is the first step? What is what what should we be doing? Um, what would you say is your approach to helping companies move forward on their lean journey? Yeah. So um, I first and foremost, I really want and I will and this is for anybody, but this is also what I'll do with our with our clients is really wanting to understand um, where do you want to be in the next three years or one year, five years. Right. Like where where are you now and where is it you want to where is it you want to be? because anything we do on this journey it, it it should be first and foremost guided by what the vision and goals are of the organization so so the lean journey if we want to call it that um and again i don't even i'm i'm actually getting away from even calling something a lean journey it's more of the company's journey uh <laughs> rather than this separate journey i know that sounds like a Maybe I'm parsing words, but it's it's 
to help think in terms of it's it's not this separate thing. But it, it really starts out with, you know, where is it you want to be? Now you might call it a continuous improvement journey or an operational or becoming, you know, an organization uh, that's high on operational excellence. Uh, but generally, it starts with the goals. It starts with the obstacles to get to those goals, and then concentrating on a few principles. So one of those principles is having good stable operations. You know, that's, that's like the house of Toyota, right? That foundation is stable ops. If you've worked with enough companies, you realize so many companies out there simply aren't stable. And even in the world of Six Sigma or Lean, right? It's all about reducing variation. And so, so starting that Lean journey, I often ask people, what are your biggest pain points? Where do you have a lot of variation? Let's focus on on improving right there. And that alone will often lead to plenty of opportunity. Um, other principles, respect for people and all its different forms. Um, making sure you're ensuring quality at the source, right? And improving flow because you improve flow, you reduce lead time, cycle times, customer lead times. That's going to reduce your inventory. That's going to be better for the customer. It's a growth strategy. Those principles is to me part of, you want to call it the lean journey. It's and concentrating on those principles moving forward. Hey everyone, this is Patrick. So sorry to interrupt this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast, but I felt it necessary to take a quick moment and personally invite you to the Lean Solutions Summit on October 2nd to the 4th this fall, 2023. The theme of this year's global summit is leadership, people, purpose, passion. You do not want to miss this amazing experience with the top process improvement experts from your industry. No matter what industry you're working in, this summit has value for you. The summit offers four different industry tracks to include healthcare, corporate, higher education and nonprofit, and finally, government. Our opening keynote is Chris McChesney, the lead author of the number one Wall Street Journal best-selling business book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. The Op Sisters, Kathy Miller and Shannon Carrolls, the authors of Steel Toes and Stilettos will be joining us as well as yours truly and over 20 other speakers. The final day of the summit is full of workshops and there are limited seats for a tour of Menlo Innovations with Richard Sheridan and Zingerman's Mail Order with Dr. Jeff Liker, author of The Toyota Way. Early bird pricing is now available at Findling Solutions forward slash summit dash 2023 or you can check the show notes for a link now back to the show i love it no that's that's good um and would you say from a sustainment perspective when organizations do you know come head down this path uh is anything that you can give the the audience on uh opportunities to sustain you know as they're moving forward, some of the, the different improvements that they, they make? Yeah, I, you know, the sustaining has been a, is, as you know, you've been doing this long enough to know, it is one, it's another common challenge organizations have, right? How do we sustain these efforts? So um, I would, there are two things I would highlight to help with sustainment or when you're having challenges with sustainment. One of them is, is this concept, which is, I think it's the first principle in Likers 14 management. I can't remember which principle it is, but having the long-term vision versus the short term. Yeah. 
So I teach this in some of my lean trainings as well as some of my leadership trainings, and that is organizations often look lean at lean to get a certain result. Okay, but and, and actually, this is a big uh, a big proponent uh, a big component of our, my leadership training that I do is that underlying you know we get results from our behaviors and we get our and our behaviors come from our attitudes and our habits and the way we think about things and our conditioning those things do not change overnight but your attitudes and your beliefs and your actions is what makes up your culture mm -hmm. and cultures do not change overnight and so one of the reasons efforts are not sustained is that there's too much emphasis on the result and not enough emphasis in the development of the culture itself, which is a longer term vision for the company. If you aren't changing people's attitudes and the way they think about things and the habits that they have, then your results and your efforts are simply not gonna be sustained because the underlying culture you need does not exist yet. So, so that's one. The other is going back to what decision makers really want. They want results. And, and although I just talked about results, I'm not talking about short-term results. I'm talking about just the overall business results. If, if, if your lean efforts are moving the needle on what's important for an organization, then they're gonna wanna do more of it. It's simple as that. Generally, they're gonna wanna do more of it. So. It's important, I think, that all efforts and trainings show tangible results. But simultaneously, you can't skip the culture development portion. You can't skip the leadership development portion, the coaching, the mentoring, the messaging. It has to be over and over and over to start changing people's habits and attitudes of thought so that they will continue on this journey. Absolutely. Love it. No, those are great, two really great points. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you're, everyone's taking notes back home because those, those were great. Um, so, uh, Mike, I want to talk to you about something that, uh, you and I may differ just a tad, uh, bit on, uh, possibly, I don't know, let's, let's dive into this a little bit, but you came out of GE, which we both know, uh, you know, Jack Welch took and, uh, used Six Sigma as kind of the, the management methodology. And uh, I think he, he established that every manager would be a green belt level uh, Six Sigma. And I, I don't know, some other things that happened there. Um, yeah. So you came out of that environment and you're also not a huge fan of Six Sigma. Uh, so I want to hear a little bit more about that and understand kind of your, your stance on, on Six Sigma and, and why. Yeah, I so I my my view of Six Sigma overall is that it can be a useful methodology and a useful um, if you want to call it, you know set of tools for certain applications. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not like I'm against it. it. It's however, with that being said, you're right. I, I worked for GE during their heyday during Jack Welch years, not my whole time wasn't Jack Welch, but I started during Jack Welch years and during that heyday, um, spent years practicing Six Sigma. So I'm very familiar with the Six Sigma um, methodology and tools. However, it was through that experience and then also with GE, the experience of lean, that I realized that I formed the opinion of 
because like I said, some people may not agree with this, mm -hmm. um, that I, I really feel Six Sigma is fairly, first of all, it's fairly limited in the application. So when a company says, ask me, hey, we're thinking of getting some people trained in Six Sigma or get their green belt certification, I'll usually say, great. Um, but for organizations that really want everybody to be Six Sigma trained or like GE tried to do or really put all their uh, most of their eggs in that basket, I just don't think it's it's worth their time um, because even at GE, which you can argue maybe they applied it wrong or they could have done it better. It was an all in effort. No doubt about it. And yet. Um, I distinctly remember an all-employee call in the division I was in during the heyday after years of Six Sigma and the quality leader for this division. So he's a corporate quality leader, told all the employees along the lines of, we've been practicing Six Sigma for five years, but our customers are telling us they don't see an, an impact. Mm -hmm. um, our cost of quality has not gone down. Right. And this is from a company that was all in. Sure. And so you wonder, well, how did that happen? Um, and if you've been in the Six Sigma world long enough, you realize that a lot of what's called Six Sigma simply is not Six Sigma. It's not even a good application of Six Sigma. True. And so it, it's in. So my opinion has formed in that I think it's great if a company wants to have a couple of people that know it and for certain applications use those tools. But by and large, for every application, a good application of Six Sigma, I'll show you 500 with the Toyota production system. You sure. know, it's I, I've seen lean and Toyota production system be fairly transformational. I've never seen Six Sigma be transformational. Mm -hmm. So that's 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 where I form that opinion. And then, you know, then you know the world of lean Six Sigma developed, and and again, it's my opinion only, but I really feel it took away from what Toyota production system is. It mm. it developed a mindset of projects. It, it developed a mindset of certifications. It developed a mindset of having certain experts and belts where that is not the Toyota production system mentality. And, right. and I really felt like it actually almost hurt um, what Toyota production system is. So for that reason, I'm not against Six Sigma. It's just yeah. I can I can use Toyota production system to have a much greater impact than, on an organization and help them than I could ever with Six Sigma. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think we're we're pretty fairly aligned. Uh, you know, so definitely uh, good to hear your perspective. Uh, absolutely. Um, I definitely believe that they both complement each other very well. Uh, but to your point, you're absolutely right that, um, you know, you can't just have a project mindset uh, and think that you're going to have transformational results, you know, with projects only or, you know, uh, measure the number of green belts or yellow belts in an organization and you're going to have transformational results. Right. It's not about the number of belts. It's not about it's not even about the tools that people know. It's it's really uh, uh, something completely different in, in that I think you and I both are aligned in uh, with, you know, the daily management, the daily Kaizen, the, the um, you know, measuring results uh, versus measuring number of belts, you know, having transformational metrics in place that you're uh, that you're making decisions by uh, versus right. Um, those uh, what we would call vanity metrics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. 
and and I, I, I don't, you know, some companies really try to put project counts, whether it's lean or Kaizen events, and and I understand why they do that. Um, but I'm not, I won't consider myself an expert in Toyota production system. I'm sure there's a lot I don't know about it, but the some that I've learned is there's such an emphasis on the mentoring and coaching and problem solving and just how you look at problems themselves. And and if that becomes part of your DNA, you're not even thinking in terms of projects. You're you're just doing it, you know? And and I think if you can do and I think when sometimes you put certain metrics in it, it can drive the wrong behavior, right? And so you have to be really careful with project counts and and you know, I mean, put it this way, if I'm running a business, I don't care how many projects somebody does, Patrick. What I care about is this is where you were at today. This is where I want you to get at a year from now. Are we getting there? Right. And is the, is the trajectory correct? Um, and how are you getting there? That's what I want to understand. Then I want to mentor people in doing that. I don't care how many projects they do. If they do one big effort that is transformational, you know, and it's better than four little things that they did to call it a project. Well, I'll take that transformational one every time. So it's, um, and plus on top of that, as you know, part of the culture is it's okay to make mistakes, right? You want people to try to experiment, to learn. And sometimes these project counts and the results of these projects start over, you know, it drives the wrong behavior. I'll just leave it at that. We, you know, you probably experienced it and, and other oh, yeah. people who are watching, listening to this have, have experienced the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So for for those that are, you know, listening in, many are lean practitioners, some consultants, some uh, new to lean or continuous improvement, um, you know, maybe some operations uh, people listening in, uh, maybe not just manufacturing, probably from other industries, healthcare, uh, maybe even state, local government. What advice would you give to the vast majority of people out there that are practicing lean principles, continuous improvement principles, um, who want to make a difference in their organization? I, first and foremost, I would recommend that whether you are, you know, trying to move the needle internally at your company or your consultant or you're in ops, you know, you're in, in operations, uh, it all starts with going back to what I mentioned earlier, what, <laughs> Okay, let me let me. I'm jumping around here. If I ask somebody, "What is the one thing you would like to change here?" and you know that this organization is going to get better, what would it be? And start there. I it's like it, start with the obstacles. Start with whatever's holding the organization back. Um, if if you don't think anything's specifically holding them back, then what's the goal for the organization? And and then work to change it. Work toward that improvement. Uh, don't even call it lean, but but if you apply some of the principles in moving the needle, the leaders are going to be happy because mm -hmm. you helped move the needle. And now that you've moved it, they may they'll see what you did. It's like, well, this is a principle in Toyota production system. You know, we applied this, but it it has to be first and foremost. You you have to be making an impact for the company, and and th without that it really doesn't matter. And so, you know, to, to really, where do you start or how do you want to make a difference? It's, it's all about um, really understanding what the decision makers and the senior leaders need from you and from your department and from your organization and working to make that happen. Yeah. Um, 
And oh, by the way, those principles of lean are a great way to do it usually, right? Um, but it's got to start not, I'm going to do lean. It's got to start, I'm going to reduce cycle time here, or I'm going to you improve our inventory turns or our cash flow or our, our labor productivity, right? It needs to start with that. Sure, sure. Now, what, what, what advice would you give to somebody maybe that's in an organization where they don't have uh, maybe leadership approval or leadership direction to to do any, or they don't feel like they they're empowered to make change, you know? Because I I talk to a lot of people that are in that position where they're it's almost like they they just they want to get started, but they just they feel like they're not they don't have the the, the tools or they they haven't been given the the go ahead to do that. Any any thoughts around that, Mike? Well, I, I think, yeah, my first thought would be if somebody has that feeling, right, that they, they, they're not, they don't have the opportunity to make change. Uh, well, first, I think you have to be clear and, and ask that you want to do something. Um, leaders can't always read your mind. And, and, and sometimes there's miscommunication there. So, I think it's important that if you have an idea, if there's something you want to try, making sure that it's something that's important to the organization. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what's important to the organization, ask, you know, what's one thing, if, if there was one thing I could work on to help you right now, what would it be? And, and work on that and propose something, propose an idea. Now, with all that being said, if, if they don't, if, if there are leaders that are really attached to the status quo and are risk adverse and don't want to make change, I'll be honest, I don't know what you can do, Patrick. I mean, it's, I don't know if there's any advice I can give on something like that. I, I was in an organization not that long ago and it was, and the feedback I was getting from a lot of employees was, you know, it's going to be done this way all the time. Like we, this is proven. We're not going to, you know, and, and oh, by the way, they have high turnover and you wonder why. Okay? right? So it's it's that's a really hard one. But first, make sure that's truly the case. You know, come up, be, propose something, propose ideas. Say you want to try something. Say you want to make a difference. And if you're still turned down, I, I'll be honest, I don't know what you would do, Patrick. I mean, wait for a new leader to show, <laughs> to show up. Well, uh, <laughs> I will say, Mike, I, I actually worked with a, a, an organization that was in that a similar spot like that. And I remember this one lady, um, you know, she was she was really frustrated because she, she felt like that. And um, she ended up we, we, we had some conversation and, and I asked her what what is with what's in within your own control that you could do that that's possible for you to you know and, and it took us a little bit to get there but she said well you know at the end of my line um I, there's uh i'm always really really scrunched up there's not a whole lot of room there and i always have to pick my boxes up and move them down to this other area to load them onto this pallet and and she said you know it'd be really nice if the pallet was closer to me and, you know, if this, this other, uh, there was something behind her, if that was out of the way. And, and I said, well, do you need approval to, to move the pallet closer to you to move that, you know, whatever that was out from behind you? And she said, I probably not. And, and I said, well, you know, sometimes for things like this, it's better to, 
you know, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> after. And I said, let's just move that pallet. And uh, so her and I moved the pallet closer and we pushed whatever it was out of the way. And, and she was just tickled pink, just so excited uh, about, you know, this new little uh, area that she had set up. And and we celebrated that. And and I, I might have dropped a little hint to leadership that they should go check it out and have her show them the improvements that she uh, she made to her area, no matter how small. Right. Paul Aker says two second improvements matter. Right. Mm -hmm. They add up. So, you know, again, it is hard when you're in an organization, when you're, you're somewhere where leadership isn't isn't part of the you know, isn't driving the change or supporting it. Um, but I, that's I guess I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. It's it's difficult. It's difficult. But I just think if there's anything, even something small within your control that you can improve, start there. You know? Yes, that's great advice. That's great advice, Patrick. And, uh, you know, one of the things I try to encourage in all employees I work with, all leaders I work with is no matter you can only control what you can control. Right. Um, but never don't let outside circumstances squash your desire for improvement. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. Don't let it don't let it beat you down. Don't get too depressed. Just keep trying because um, the alternative is not very pleasant. Right. Is to just not do anything and to give up. So, you know, never give up. I one of the things I always tell employees when I'm training them is, you know, it's OK to try and make a mistake. It's not OK to not try. So right. you got to just keep trying. And uh, and of course, then when I see that, I'm fortunate that in my position, I can I can be very blunt to leaders and say, you know, where I see it happening and they're not really supporting that that ability for employees to to make a change. So, um, yeah, that that's I mean, I think that's great advice. Just to do do something you can control and hopefully your actions will will be louder than your words and and it'll encourage your leader to do some additional things yeah that's right that's right well mike uh if anyone's interested to you know to maybe continue the conversation with you uh want to reach out to you uh are interested in in some of the stuff that you guys are doing at opex solutions uh what's the best way to get a hold of you sure i would say if anybody would like to have a conversation with me or reach out to me um you know connect with me on linkedin uh, that'd be great. And uh, so you can you can find me. I have a, you know, a, you know, not a huge following, but I have a lot of connections on LinkedIn. I love I will connect with essentially anybody that wants to connect there and send me a message. Um, if you want to know more about my business or even reach me through the business, um, the website is opxsolutionsllc.com. Um, we also have a YouTube channel and some of your viewers might be interested uh Several months ago, I started a, a video series called The Slight Edge, which yeah. is geared toward helping folks improve their leadership, productivity, and personal success through a lot of small changes that can have huge impacts. And so I have a series of videos on slight edges that leaders and other folks can do to help in those areas. So feel free through that, through LinkedIn, through the website, um, all those ways I will, I will get the message. Perfect. And we'll drop each one of those links into the show notes. So if anyone's interested, they can go to the show notes, find those links and, and connect with you there, Mike. Mike, it's been great to have you on. Thanks again for coming back. Uh, and again, if anyone's interested to go back to uh, season one, episode 42, where we talked about Kaizen events, uh, feel free to do that as well. But Mike, again, uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you being on the show. 
Well, thanks, Patrick. And maybe the next time we'll have to talk about the military and how the military's uh, uh, influenced us and, and, and so forth. So, but anyway, thank you very much, Patrick. I appreciate right. it. Take care, Mike. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.